Well, thank you for worshiping together with us, and uh, thank you, worship team, and Brother Josue, somewhat. thank you guys for uh, allowing your talents to be used with the Lord and to be able to be something that is uh, uh, adding uh, such a great element to our worship. Um, uh, it, is, it is wonderful to see that. Well, it is my privilege to be behind the pulpit tonight, uh, this morning, and to be able to uh, share what God has placed in my heart. Um, it has been a tumultuous week, I can say that. Um, we, um, we thank God for uh, all that he has done this week. But uh, this week, um, for those of you who don't know, I am a, a Christian camp director over in Edinburgh, and so a part of the, uh, one of the many hats, but uh, that is my full-time job. And uh, I am, uh, this week in particular, we had a lot going on. Camp is a busy place, but at this week in particular, we had 72 people uh, that were from the state of Indiana, part of a church. I know Pastor Matson preached last week here, and so his church arrived last Sunday evening, and and for the next uh, five and a half days, uh, they worked hard and uh, did a lot of work at camp. Uh, we are in the process of. Um, Building uh, two buildings. Uh, one is our new shop, a metal building shop, and then two is remodeling our coffee shop and part of what used to be our old shop into a second chapel, a second dining area, a second kitchen, and a whole bunch of things. It's just under 5,000 square feet of building that we're building there, and just about 2,000 square feet of, of shop and porch area for the metal uh, building shop that we're building. And so uh, then we paint. We just, we painted the entire, with 72 people, there's a lot that can get done. We painted the entire campus, and uh, God just did some amazing things and just transformed that place um, in an amazing way. And actually part of what I'll be sharing this morning is something that was birthed out of this week of interacting and experiencing, just seeing what God did. And, but then in the middle of that, um, um, uh, our family, um, my, um, our pastor emeritus, uh, Pastor Noé, his uh, uh, sister had passed away last week, and the funeral was uh, Thursday and the burial uh, Friday morning. And so Pastor Jeremy, myself, and, and Brother Jason, uh, we all uh, flew to uh, Albuquerque, New Mexico on Thursday, um, and then um, we flew back fr uh, Friday. Um, and, and so it was a busy week in top of a busy week and a lot going on. It, our emotions are all over the place and so much going on and, and uh, stressful personally, stressful ministerially. And then if you know construction, it always goes further than you think it's going to go. You just pull back one side of, of, a, of a paneling and then you're like, okay, we've got to replace that. Well, now that we're replacing that, let's replace this. And so, and so that's how it went. And uh, so uh, we spent more money than we had. We've taken longer than we thought. And uh, it's just going further than we thought it was. It's, that's the way it is in construction. But God's been good. It's been an amazing time. Time, and uh, we are thankful for what God has done. Thankful. I know Eva and Eddie, uh, the family showed up to paint one day and they were there with us and we're thankful for that. And a couple other people jumped in throughout the week and uh, listen, there's a lot of work. So if you want to go work a little bit, uh, we invite volunteers at, uh, at Camp Loma to be to help us out. But no, it was a blessed week and I'm thankful for that. In the midst of all that, I knew that uh, I, this was uh, an occasion that God had given me to preach and I didn't want to misuse that. And so thankful 
for the ability to come and share uh, just something that I'm learning, and that's kind of kind of what I'm hoping to share this morning. It's something that I'm in the process of learning as well. If you'd be so kind, go with me in your Bibles to Romans chapter 12. I do want to thank you for your prayers. I know many people were praying, commenting on Facebook about for the family, the Mendoza family. It is the first of of, uh, of nine siblings to pass away, and. Uh, Three of them that are, or two of the three that were in Nicaragua weren't able to come for the funeral. And so, um, but the majority of them here were able to go. And so we're thankful for that and thankful for your prayers. I know as a church, you were lifting up the Mendoza family and, and uh, we're thankful for that. My, my nieces, um, uh, my, my tia Sari had four daughters and all of them uh, in their early years were here at church for, for various uh, moments or holidays or whatnot. And, and we told them that y'all were praying for them and they thank you. Thank you for that and uh, thankful that we were able to be there in attendance together for the funeral and celebrate my aunt's wife, uh, life. She was uh, a, a wife of 47 years, uh, a pastor, uh, first of all, a missionary pastor, somebody who from her early teenage years had dedicated her life to the Lord and, and served the Lord in many different ways, always had a burden for her people in Nicaragua and took many trips uh, with supplies, clothes, medicine, all kinds of stuff down in Nicaragua, uh, much like our pastor, like, much like my dad, who has a great heart and a, a burden for his people back in his home country, her as well. And so uh, just, uh, just a wonderful lady. And we were able to celebrate the life that God gave her and uh, celebrate the fact that uh, we will see her again. And we're thankful for that. Somebody that very frequently, when I would log into the uh, live stream, uh, due to her battle with lung cancer the last two years of her life, she was uh, bedridden for many, many months, and, and so uh, many times she was logged in there and watching both services, English and Spanish, and so uh, just somebody that we'll miss dearly, but we're thankful for the life that God gave her. Romans chapter 12, and uh, speaking of living life, um, you know, there's a lot in our minds right now in the, I would say, the, um, the global mentality of what is the good life, you know? And, um, you know, everybody's trying to find a way to get to the good life. Um, here recently, I jumped on uh, Robin Hood Trading. How many of you have ever heard of Robin Hood Trading? Anybody like that? Okay, there's several of you. All right, good, good. Uh, jumped in there. I had heard about it, read different things. And I remember it was early January, and I, I had never done anything with stocks. So Robin Hood Trading is if you're in the stock market, that kind of stuff. Uh, that's kind of what it's related. But it's like, it's like for the average Joe being able to kind of do that person because normally you have to go through an entity a company or something like that and so early on uh, in january i had jumped in and i had i had, I had looked and one of the gut feelings that I had was that Tesla was going to do really good. I, I thought, man, Tesla had really gone down. And I said, you know what? I want to, I want to, but I don't know anything about the stock market. And so I, I read some stuff and they said, oh, you got to do this and you got to do that. And I was like, all right, well, let me, let me jump into this. And, and I bought some Tesla stock somewhere around mid-January, I think it was. And, uh, and I did a little trade and, and sell and it, it didn't make a lot of money, but I made a little bit of money, uh, like a hundred dollars if you really want to know. All right. Uh, but the thought market is, the thought is always like, how do I make it to the good life? You know, is it, is it in the stock market? I, I know recently I've thought about, well, I've talked to some people and they said, you know what? If you can find a way to get some rentals, rental property, man, that's a great thing to get into. And, and it's like, okay, that's a good life. And, and uh, so I, you know, you look into that, I'm like, I'm like, okay, maybe there's something there. And, and then, you know, you talk about phys physically, you know, I have a brother-in-law who owns a gym over in FAR and uh, over the last three or four years, 
there's been various seasons of my life where I'll show up and I'll, I'll go to a class. There, usually there's an 8.30 class, so I'll drop off my kids at school, and then I'll go and I'll be a part of that gym class at 8.30 and get in my exercise because, you know, you just want to have the good life of, of good feeling good physically, and, and, and you think about physicality and, and how do I maintain healthy living, the good life. You know, uh, uh, the world will teach us, well, you got to have the right career, and they'll come and tell these kids, if, you just, if, you'll, if you'll do this and this, then you're going to have the good life. It's a good pathway. Uh, you know, if you get into, and maybe it's a trade school, man, if you get into welding, I had heard welders are doing really well right now, or if you do this, this is really good towards the good life. Romans chapter 12, if you know anything about the book of Romans, um, Romans, it's kind of like your primer. It's like, uh, it, it, you know, I remember back when I went to a small Christian school, but um, my, my older brothers, I, I had remembered that they had this little blue book, and, and always that was like the beginning primer for in your reading education, this is what you did in this certain Christian curriculum. That was the initial first stage of everybody who was learning to read at this stage, at this grade, this was the primer. Back in the olden days, that's kind of how it was. I don't remember the color of the book, but there was a book that everybody used, and it had all these certain types of stories that were connected or in that book. And so that was the primer of life, of reading, of learning. Romans is like that in the Christian life. It it gives you the really basic rudimentary um, foundational truths, which we call doctrines. Uh, Those foundational truths, like what do we believe and what does this mean? Um, That is why um, uh, many uh, people teach that um, the path or explaining salvation involves a lot of verses in Romans. We call it the Romans road. Uh, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We find those verses in um, in Romans. Um, Before um, we even realized anything, Jesus loved us and died for us. We find verses that prove that reality to us through Romans. It's the, the primer of the Christian life. The author, Paul, wrote a lot of different books. Some when he was out um, as a missionary going from place to place, many of which when he was in prison because he was a missionary and it was outlawed in those regions of the world. So they'd throw him in prison. And while he was in prison, he would continue to write letters to the churches of which we have many recorded here in the Bible. They were part of God's inspired, preserved word. Romans gives us a, a kind of a, a, an initial understanding of a lot of important primary things. And in Romans chapter 12, I'd like to just take the next few moments, and no, I don't have notes. I, pr- I promised you at the early parts of last year that I was going to give notes more often. I have failed miserably. I apologize. Uh, but this is, I feel like I have an excuse this week. Okay, I do, I do, I promise. But if you want to write down, we're going to look at five words with the letter D. So you can write down just five points, all right? They're on, on a scrap piece of paper, on a napkin, the edge of your Bible, wherever you want to. I want to talk to you about living, living the life. In Romans chapter 12, we find that Paul is giving the Christian some great insights about a certain type of living. 
And I want to pick up in verse number three, and I'm reading out of the New Living Translation just recently. It's been a blessing to me, and I just really opened up the, the, the scriptures to me in a new way throughout my life. I've read the Bible many times through the King James and the New King James, but I really have recently loved the New Living, and so I'll be reading out of that. So if your version's a little bit different, don't worry about it. Um, the, the essence is true and, and the same. Romans chapter 12 and verse number three, and we're going to read through verses uh, 13, I think, for right now. So if you would follow me with your eyes, and I'll read aloud as it says the following in verse, uh, t- th- uh, chapter Romans 12, verse three. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves Measure, measure, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many par- parts of one body and we all belong to each other. In His grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. If you have the gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Don't just pretend to love others, really love them. Hate what is wrong, hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. This morning I titled my message, Grace Living. Grace Living. The world is after great living. The world is after luxury living. But God's people should be after grace living. And when we look at the scriptures, we find here that Paul lays out for us uh, some of these components of grace living. And I like to lay them out for you this morning. And hopefully together we'll learn and we'll grow. And in the moments we have, we'll be challenged by God's word and God's spirit. So let's pray and ask for God's help this morning. Father, I need of you. I pray, Father, that you would just guide the moments that we have together. Pray, Lord, that you would just open our minds, that your word, the absolute preserved truth of your word, would be what guides us this morning, that your spirit would take this truth, that this undeserved servant is trying to expound upon. Father, I am unworthy were it not for your grace, but I thank you, Father, for your love and your goodness upon me and upon all of us here this morning guide us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Apologize if I stop for a little bit of a sip. On top of everything, my my throat has been killing me the last two days. So uh, Romans chapter 12 and verse number three um, gives us our first word. It reminds us of the fact that grace living is divine. It is divine because of the privilege and authority God has given me. Paul reminds the reader that all that he is and all that is coming from his ministry and their forward is because of God. It has not come from his background in his thorough knowledge of Hebrew scripture. 
Uh, Paul was a man who uh, was somebody who definitely could have uh, been validated by his religious background. He had a lot of understanding of the Old Testament law. He had deep grasp of those things. But you realize that Paul did not defend who and what he was becoming by his religious posture. No, he realized that it was divinely given. It was God that had given it. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me. Oh, that is nothing more than understanding the divineness of grace living you see we see here often that it is uh, something that in the early christians it was necessary for them to understand that what was god going to do was only through that understanding that it was god doing it Throughout my life, there have been times where it has been a temptation for me to think, oh, I am going to do such and such. I'm a very self-motivated, self-disciplined person. I'm wanting to do things in and of my own strength. And time and time and time again, God has had to humble me and break me because he had to show me time and time again how real the reality of it being divinely given, this grace living. Paul understood that it was given by God. And therefore, he shares with the Christians that are reading in the moment and the Christians that would come, who you and I are those who came later some 2,000 years. And yet, the truth remains the same, that grace living is given divinely. It is given by God. And it requires a certain approach. Look at the approach that it requires. Therefore, don't think you are better than you really are. Ooh. Ouch. In a world that um, exalts and entitles uh, this generation, oh, you've got to have positive thinking. You've got to have uh, enough self-confidence. Oh, the self, the empowerment of the self is a great uh, characteristic of this generation. And yet God goes the other way. He says, don't think of yourself better than you really are. Humility, humbleness. Not only that, it requires this divine uh, approach of grace living. It requires honesty. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves. Measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. You know, that's tough. I was, uh, I w- uh, this, uh, during the trip that we were taking back and forth, um, one of the things that we, you know, all you do on a plane is, you know, either listen to music or listen to podcasts or watch a show or something. And we were watching this show about these golfers. And these golfers, um, they're professional golfers of, of just different, different standing. And it was interesting to me that uh, there are some professional golfers that just, you know, they have no problem just thinking of themselves as great professional golfers. And yet there's other professional golfers that just, they, they don't really think they're that good. And yet they just continue to just play excellent and their talent level is superb, but, but they just don't think of themselves that way. You know, uh, one of the things that is difficult to do as an athlete is sometimes to be honest with yourself. 
Uh, many athletes in today's world, they'll take their game film. Some, I see some athletes here, and you'll remember perhaps either in varsity or, high, or junior high or JV, if, if somebody recorded the game, you want to watch the game. And, and, and uh, I remember now, uh, as an adult now, some 30 years past my time of playing sports, but uh, real sports, and I remember now thinking to myself, oh, I used to do this and this, and then I'll watch a video and be like, I'm a lot slower than I thought I was, you know, and, uh, and it's hard to evaluate that reality of where you're at. Well, here Paul says that in order for this grace living to be real, uh, it has to be understood that it is divinely given. It is of the Lord that we are given this grace living. And it requires uh, a certain perspective, humility. It requires honesty, an honest evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. Requires personal evaluation. See, one of the things we like to do and that the devil loves to take us is that we love to measure others, but we really don't like to measure ourselves. And when we measure ourselves, we love to measure ourselves against others. But that's not what God says to do. God says, uh, you, when you be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given. Not against others, but against the measurement of who and what God is and the faith that he has laid out for us. So we see grace living, number one, is divine. It's divine. Number two, we see that grace living is diverse. It says there in verse number four, just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. Here we find the phrase once again that reminds us of what this whole section is about. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. Can I, can I tell you something, dear Christian, this morning? One of the things the devil loves to make us do is, the, is just like those golfers. The one that thinks he's so much better than everybody else and the other one that doesn't think he's good enough. So much is true of that reality in the Christian life. So many times in the Christian life, we'll find people that they just think, well, I, I just, I'm not so-and-so, so therefore I, 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 don't have, I don't bring much to the table. No, grace living, it's diverse. It's understanding that God has equipped you with something that is unique to you, to your talents, to your ability, to your condition, to your situation. Oh, I tell so many times to young people, hey, uh, you know what? You didn't choose what home you were to be born in. God chose that. And God is giving you a special grace to go through what you're going through in that home, in that situation. And God will, is equipping you in those conditions and in those situations. And every one of us is given a different journey to run. A different path to take. Different gifts and abilities. Oh, grace living is diverse. I'm a, I'm a break the mold kind of person. Just, that's, just, that's just me. Like in general, in life. Yeah, you try and box me in on something and I'm going to squirm and move because I'm trying to find every outside the box way of doing something, whether it be a project, whether it be a way of doing something, a way of running a, an activity, an event. The, the, the worst thing for me is, is being boxed in. I just don't like it. God doesn't box us in in the Christian life. 
He equips us diversely. He gives us, diversity is not a man-made conception or thought. It is God-given, God-ordained. God was the one that said, yes, this person is going to look this way, is going to have this personality, is going to have these type of unchangeables. I am putting every person in their own different condition, situation, way, and I'm giving them different grace gifts. And I know you may think in this morning that you were not uh, handed the best hand in when it comes to perhaps grace gifts, but here's what I want you to understand, that grace living, it is diverse. It is going to look different. It is going to act different in every situation and in every Christian differently. Now, we go back to the basis of it was divinely given. Therefore, it must be tethered to the God that gave it. You see, you can't give, you can't have the diversity of grace living uh, and be untethered to God's truth and to the word of God, to the word of God and the, and the God of the word. No, no, it's tethered to that. But inside of that, there is all kinds of different things. You say like what, Pastor John? Well, look at what it says. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy or speak out with much faith as God has given you, you or speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. You see, God is saying, uh, maybe I'm, I'm giving this person the ability to speak and here, here Pastor John is on the platform, but I'm not a better Christian than you. Amen. Amen. <laughs> For some of you, that's not hard. My, my, my wife's sick today, so she should be the first one to say Amen. No, I, we, we, Pastor Jeremy, we were equipped, yes, we, we were given a different gift, but that doesn't make us less or, or, or greater Christian. No, it's different. And here the word of God, when it comes to grace living, it is telling us that it is diverse in its attributes. It says, some that God has given to prophesy, others the gift of serving, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. This week, 72 people plus uh, our winter volunteers, which are another 10, were swarming all over the campus of Camp Loma de Vida. And I can tell you there were some that are amazing at getting a paintbrush, sticking it in the bucket, and going up and down the trim. Incredible. That's their gift for that week. <laughs> Others are superb builders. Incredible builders, incredible electricians, just an amazing mind as to how, what amperage this needs and how to run these wires and how to do this and how to make this cut correctly and how to put this together. And man, incredible. So I walked along that campus and saw the buzz of those uh, 82, 85 people, some of our staff or volunteers going around and it was amazing. But I can tell you that had we all gotten the bucket with the one trim paint, not a lot would have been gotten done at Camp Loma Vida. Oh, there'd be a lot of painted trim. That's about it. See, we needed somebody to coordinate those 72 people. We needed somebody to be able to encourage those 72 people. 
We needed somebody to feed those 72 people. We needed somebody to take water out to those 72 people. You see, we needed somebody to run to Lowe's. Thank you, Brother Jason, 72 times this week. Uh, uh, somebody run to Lowe's and to Box, Brother Jaime, going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And, and many, many times. We needed somebody to say, I believe camp is doing a great job and this project is worthy of some of my funds to be able to see that project advance and write some checks to say, hey, I want to see kids there in summer 23 and see them have an amazing coffee shop and an amazing new building and be able to do some really neat things. See, it took all of that to come together for something great to take place in that time. Grace living is diverse. The Christian life is diverse. Young person, a married adult, uh, can I tell you, uh, no matter where you are, what stage of life you're at, no matter where you're at in the Christian life, God has equipped you. God has given you something of which it is going to be pivotal for the church to go forward, that you be in your place, that you do, and that you exercise the gift that you have been given and every single person in this auditorium and every person within the sound of my voice you as a christian have been given a gift nobody's not not given a gift say brother john i don't know what it is yet okay that's fine that's fair you can say that take some time pray ask god to show you what it is you know, uh, as we celebrate here next Sunday, 40 years of seeing this church come together, and we're going to celebrate Pastor Noah and his wife, Annette, and we're going to celebrate mom and dad, and we're going to get excited about what God has done. But I guarantee you that Bethany Baptist Church is not here 45 years later because of just two people. I'm thankful for them and all that they did. There was a lot of other people that made the way for us to be able to be here on this last Sunday of February of 2023. And the reality is, is that I look at our church and I look at the Christian community and I say, yeah, but what about the next generation? Are we going to be happy and satisfied that we got the blessing, but it ends with us? Or are we going to be grace living? Are we going to understand that we have a role to play, that we have been equipped with something, and that there is time for us to do something? Pastor Jeremy titled this year, Reach. And grace living is within our reach. You must reach out and make 2023 a year for you to say, God, what do you want me to do? Did you give me the ability to speak with boldness your truth? Let me do that. Is it serving? Is there somewhere where I can serve? Man, I can tell you right now that those bathrooms at Camp Lomavita would have been hideous by Wednesday had there not been somebody willing to take out the trash, had there not been willing somebody to do that. Can I tell you here at, at Iglesia Bautista Betania, I'm thankful for people that are back in the nursery right now and changing those diapers and helping those babies because I can tell you right now there would be mass confusion if we had one baby much less five babies in this auditorium right now it would not be as quiet we would not be able to understand and to be able to focus the same why because everybody has to do their role and there's nothing worse than a church that is like well I'm not that so I'm just going to come and sit down no 
Everybody has a role to play. Grace living is diverse. Let's finish because the time is marching forward. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Oh, dear friend, there's so much that you could dive into each one of those subcategories. We don't have time. The reality is, is that you are uniquely positioned and equipped to do something, to do something in the kingdom of God. You see, we may, there may be, there might have been great um, showers of kindness in that group from Indiana, but guess what? They're back in Indiana. There might be great showers of kindness in McAllen, but guess what? They're in McAllen. God has given you and equipped you in the place that you're at, in the place that you're at, in the, in the local body of believers that you're at, and he has equipped you so that you can be able to uh, uh, manifest your gift and live out that grace living so that you can be able to do it. Grace living is divine. Grace living is diverse. Number three, grace living is difficult. <laughs> not going to sugarcoat it for you. It says verse number nine, don't just pretend to love others, really love them. Hate what is wrong, hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Oh, can I tell you, dear friend, that some of the tougher verses in the Bible are right there. Uh, what's the poem say? Oh, to abide with the saints above, that will be glory. Oh, to abide with the saints here below, well, that's a different story. <laughs> you see, genuinely loving each other, not pretending each other, that is grace living. Forgiving one another for where we have failed each other. Can I tell you, whether it be in a marriage, whether it be in a family, whether it be in a church, whether it be in whatever community, whether it be in the work site, whatever it is, can I tell you something? That is a challenge. And here, it is difficult. It is a difficult reality for this grace living. I remember our basketball coach used to always say in practice when we were tired and and, uh, and, and just exhausted and ready to give up. And he'd say, if it was easy, everybody would be doing it. And that's what makes the difference between the champions and just the players. As Christians, grace living isn't going to just happen to us. It is a challenge that we must take on. And can I encourage you, dear Christian, this morning, that if you walk out of this service here in the next few minutes, that you walk out with a desire to say, I want grace living. It needs to come from God. It doesn't come from me. It comes from God. Therefore, I need to dive into God's word. I need to dive in and ask for God to direct me to it. It's not going to be the same for me as it is going to be for somebody else. It's diverse. It's not going to be easy. It is difficult. It requires diligence. Look at what it says there in the next verse. It says, um, it says there in verse number 11, never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. There is a poem that my dad used to give us, and uh, it's got 
one old English word that today's, I'm going to change it just because in today's vernacular, it would, uh, it would be translated differently. But it's the poem that says, don't quit. When things go wrong as they sometimes will, when the road you are trudging seems all uphill, when the funds are low and the debts are high, and you want to smile, but you have to sigh. When care is pressing you down a bit, rest if you must, but don't you quit. Life is weird with its twists and turns, as every one of us sometimes learns. And many a fellow turns about when he might have won had he stuck it out. Don't give up, though the, though the, pace, seems, though the pace seems slow. You may succeed with another blow. Often the goal is nearer than it seems to faint and a faltering man. Often the struggles has given up, often the struggler has given up when he might have captured the victor's cup. He learned too late when the night came down how close he was to the golden crown. Success is failure turned inside out, the silver tint in the clouds of doubt. It might be near when it seems afar, so stick to the fight. When your heart is hit, it's when things seem worse that you must not quit. I remember as a 10-year-old boy, that poem being put in different places in the house, being given to us on a little postcard, and my dad was big on don't quit, don't quit. He never let us quit, whether it was a, a sport that we had committed to, whether it was an activity that we committed to, whether it was a job, unless it was for a reason, it was you were just not going to quit. I'm thankful for that life lesson that I learned early in life. Here, the apostle Paul once again tells the Christian, never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Dear Christian, can I encourage you? There will be times in the journey where it will be easy to quit. It'll be easy to quit on your marriage, easy to quit on your family, easy to quit on the, on the habits and the forms of your life that are producing fruit. And I can tell you right now that the devil will know to attack those certain regions and areas of your life, whether it be just faithfully attending, whether it be just listening, being in a place to fill your life with God's truth. Whatever it is, I'm telling you now, can I encourage you? No no matter how difficult it may seem, be diligent. Don't quit. Don't quit. Grace living is divine. It's diverse. It's difficult. It requires diligence. Diligence. Stick with it. One of the heartbreaking realities of being in ministry for as long as I've done it, which again is not a long time, but 20-something years, is to see people that at one point were doing such an amazing thing for God's kingdom. And to see now that the towel has been thrown in. You boxers, what does it mean when the towel is thrown in? We're done. I'm, all, I'm out. For the Christian, like my aunt last Tuesday night, The only time we throw in the towel is when we're ready to be in the presence of the Lord. Oh, it's not glorious every day, and it's not a victory every moment. I've been in those deep, dark places for times in my life. But God says here, don't quit. 
It's related to loving each other. It's related to the challenge of grace living in a communal setting. We've lived that here as a church. Can I tell you, may God help us going forward not to quit on each other, but to rely on the grace of God for grace living, to rely on that divine reality to push us forward. It requires diligence. I'll finish with this reality. Verses 3, and you can go on all the way through the end of the chapter. They encourage us in this type of lifestyle approach that Paul is saying, this is what God wants. This is how God wants us to do grace living. But he began with two verses that are very commonly known, but I didn't want to start there. I wanted to end there. Because it reminds us of the reality of the approach we must have. You see, we read verses 3 and we got all the way basically to verse number 13. But it all comes from the foundation of verses 1 and 2. Grace living is divine. It's diverse. It's difficult. requires diligence. But you see, though we live in a world that when things of Christianity are talked about, many times they are referred to in the sense of, yeah, I'm going to heaven. Oh, yeah, 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 I, yeah I, I, God loves me, I love God. There was a day uh, where, you know, yeah, I'm going to heaven. I believed in him, so I'm going to heaven. And almost this fire insurance policy was brought out on your life at some point in time, some moment. But that's not the Christianity that I find in Romans chapter 12. What I find is a completely different approach to life. Because it's not about living the great life. It's not about living the luxury life. It's not about living the easy life. It's about living gracefully, grace living. And verses 1 and 2 tells me that it is my duty. It says this, it says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. In the King James, it says, your reasonable service. Oh, dear friend, Christian believer this morning, may we never, ever, ever, ever forget the great and mighty cost that was given to us when 2,000 years ago, our freedom and our Christianity and our sins were forgiven and our freedom was purchased because of the blood of Jesus Christ that he shed on the cross and he didn't shed that blood merely so that you could be able to one day purchase a fire insurance policy. He did it so that you could live the grace life that he wanted every person to live free from the chains of sin and free to be able to live out the purpose that God has given us. So this morning I call you to contemplate the duty of grace living. Dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you, give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. If there is a kind that he finds acceptable, then by default, that must mean there is a, a kind that he finds unacceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. 
I love music. I love worship, all different kinds of worship. But the greatest worship that reaches the ears, the eyes, and the heart of God is a life that is surrendered to grace living. This is truly the way to worship. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is a good and pleasing and perfect. May God help us to realize it is our duty to pursue grace living. But we can't do it in and of ourselves. It's not an academic pursuit. It's not a religious pursuit. If I just discipline myself enough religiously, I'm going to be able to do this. There's many religions that teach that. Wear the tie, ride the bike, knock on the door. You do this enough. You do that enough. You do this enough. Walk on your knees from here to the, to the, to the uh, temple and you'll be able. No, God says it's grace living. It's grace living. There's much more there, but I hope that this morning I will, with God's help, have turned your attention for a few moments to saying, am I living grace living? Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for your goodness this morning. We thank you for your truth. (sighs) Father, I am the first to admit that many times in a week, I am looking for great living and easy living and good living but I am not disciplining my life for grace living. I am not surrendering my life for grace living. I am not putting my life on the altar like that lamb that was placed there helpless, inept, unable to break free from the hold. Oh, but Father, you come and you remove that lamb and you place yourself there. And we were that lamb. We were that sheep. You took our place. But now we are to be that living sacrifice. Freed so that we may be able to live the life that you were unable to live because you gave your life. Now allow us to be your hands, your feet. Allow us to be your heart, your compassion, your mouthpiece. Allow our lives to be able to live out that grace living so a world that is in desperate need to see the truth, may they see it in our lives. And when we fail and when we stumble, that we get up, as your word says, the righteous man falleth seven times and getteth up again. And may we pursue you once again, and may we have a desire to see what it is that you are trying to accomplish in our life, in our trials, in our tribulations, in our midst. And may we continue to pursue grace living. May we surrender to the reality that we must live out grace living. We love you today and we thank you. Just challenge you maybe to just take a personal decision this morning. Every head bowed, every eye closed, and you say, Pastor John, this morning God has spoken to me. There's, he's not only spoken to me, but he's brought that, that microscope and that, that, that limelight, and he's pointed into a certain part of my life this morning that I know there's some things that I need to get right. Get right first between me and him, and then maybe get right between me and somebody else. But I pray that God would help me to act upon that truth. 
And Pastor John, would you just pray for me as I make that decision this morning? If that's you this morning, would you slip your hand up? I'd like to pray for you this morning, knowing that God spoke to your heart. God bless you. 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 Amen. God bless you. God bless you. Amen. God bless you. Amen. May God help us. Father, I pray, Lord, that you would just do the work. I'm among them, fathers. I raise my hand with them. Lead us, I pray, and guide us if you will. In Jesus' name, amen.